You are Locked On Rockets, your daily Houston Rockets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now we wait. The NBA free agent market has slowed considerably as we all await Kawhi Leonard's decision on where he's going to play basketball next season. And even though the Rockets are not in the mix for Kawhi, there are definitely a number of ripple effects here in Houston and really around the entire NBA marketplace based on the fact that one or both LA teams are suddenly going to have a lot of money to throw around on free agents once they learn that they're not getting Kawhi and they no longer have to earmark $30 million in cap space for him. To talk about what that may mean here in Houston, welcome in to another episode here at Lockdown Rockets, your podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Ben DuBose, Rockets correspondent with Sports Talk 790, the team's official radio flagship in Houston. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Gallery Furniture, where the Red Hot Summer Sale is now underway. Visit any Houston area gallery furniture location or go to galleryfurniture.com to take advantage of all the specials. We're also sponsored by our partners over at Twillery, where if you go to twillery.com slash locked on, you can use the promo code locked on for $25 off on their complete line of apparel. As we chat this Wednesday, July 3rd, we're still in a bit of a holding pattern here in Houston and honestly around the entire NBA waiting for the free agency decision of Kawhi Leonard and whether he's going to stay with the Raptors. As I've said in the past, that's the ideal scenario for the Rockets, the finals MVP staying out east or join up with either LeBron James and Anthony Davis with the Lakers or the rival LA Clippers in the same building. Though the Rockets aren't really in the game themselves when it comes to Kawhi's decision, there seems to be an obvious final three between Toronto and the other two LA teams. There's definitely a strong impact here in Houston because other than minimum signings, the market as it pertains to quality free agents is stalled because agents want their clients to get paid and suddenly at least one, if not both, of those LA teams, the Lakers and the Clippers, is going to have a ton of money that can be thrown at the likes of Marcus Morris, Jermichael Green, maybe Danny Green, even Boogie Cousins. There are still a lot of big names as we're on the fourth day of NBA free agency, but agents, if they're confident their client can get more than the minimum, they're waiting it out and hoping that one or both of those LA teams will throw some cash their way once they learn that they're not getting Kawhi Leonard. So as far as the Houston angles, First and foremost, you hope that Kawhi stays in Toronto for competitive reasons, keep him out east. And then secondly, you're waiting to see what that means for the remainder of the free agent market. The Rockets at this point, as we explained on Monday's show after bringing back Austin Rivers, Sunday we discussed them bringing back Daniel House Jr. and Cheryl Green, there are two different directions they could go. They could use their non-taxpayer MLE, if that's the case, they have about $5 million left on it. Or they could use the taxpayer MLE, which at this point only has a couple of million dollars left on it. And a big part of their calculus may depend on who is available to them. And they're not going to know exactly who is on the market until after this Kawhi domino falls and we see what happens with the other free agents. For example, Jermichael Green, Marcus Morris, Danny Green. Those would be 
ideal names that I think the Rockets would use the non-taxpayer MLE, even though they would hard cap themselves at the $139 million team salary apron level, those are quality enough names that I think the Rockets would bite the bullet and deal with the consequences. Danny Green, now there have been rumors that he could go to Dallas, but he might be waiting on the Toronto Raptors, seeing if they're going to get Kawhi, and if they do, then running it back as the defending champs. I'd say he's the least likely of that group. Marcus Morris, Jermichael Green, there's a little bit more of a path to them slipping through the cracks somewhat because we haven't really heard any concrete rumors about them to this point. Boogie Cousins, I would at least consider, but my guess is that while it's a sexy name, if he has to sign for below the MLE, he'd probably go somewhere where he can start or have a more clear pathway to minutes than he would behind Clint Capella. With all that said, the Rockets do need a backup center. They also need 3 and D wing and forward depth. So really, it's best player available. If Boogie would come for that, I would absolutely consider it. With that said, my guess is that the Rockets probably have to go a little bit further down their list. And some of these guys are going to get paid by those teams out in L.A. Nonetheless, if you're the Rockets, you have to be opportunistic. Every free agency, and especially this one, because there's such a high volume of players, there are going to be guys that slip through the cracks, and we're not really going to know who those are until after Kawhi makes his decision and we see what the domino effect is with the rest of that cap space with one or both of those teams out in Los Angeles. So if one of those truly top names that's still on the market were willing to come to Houston for, say, $5 million a year what's left of the MLE, Yes, I think the Rockets would pull the trigger on that. However, what's changed since we last spoke on Monday is the viability of the other path, which would be using the taxpayer MLE. Honestly, at this point, there's not that much left on it better than the minimum in terms of the money. I think you only have about $2 million left because they agreed to a three-year deal with undrafted rookie Shamori Pons. If it's a three-year deal, more on that in the second segment momentarily. If you agree to a three-year deal that has to come out of the MLE pile, you can't give a three-year minimum contract. So at this point, other than being able to go three years, you may as well just give the minimum instead of the taxpayer MLE, assuming that you go that route. And the benefit if you go the taxpayer MLE route is that you're not hard capping yourself. You can exceed that $139 million apron level. And what's really changed since I last spoke on Monday, the upside to going the taxpayer route and not really using your full MLE, that $5 million figure that's left now, is that you're not hard capping yourself. And of course, in theory, that gives you the ability to do all these trades, bring in extra salary during the season, because there's not a mark that you can't exceed. But the more tangible benefit is that it allows you to keep or trade Iman Shumpert. As I explained on Monday's show, and you can check it out in our archives, there are basically two paths for the Rockets in terms of the upgrades they bring in. Path one would be to go out and spend your full non-taxpayer MLE now, your biannual exception, which is about $3.5 million per season, and have the best team that you can immediately. Path two would be to go the taxpayer route, in which case you've already used most of your mid-level exception on Daniel House Jr., and by not hard-capping yourself, there's a couple of things. Number one, it gives you more flexibility, optionality during the season in terms of trades to add more salary. You can also cycle in minimums as much as you need, even if you can't find a trade partner. If you have to double dip, that's fine. But the biggest tangible benefit to it is that you suddenly can either bring back or trade Iman Shumpert, either as a sign-in trade now 
or just by re-signing him to, say, a bloated one-year deal and using him as basically a human trade exception, a salary that's expiring, fairly large, maybe $12, $13 million a year, and you can use it to make the math work on all sorts of potential trades down the line. When we spoke on Monday, when the free agency market was a lot more full, I was leaning towards the non-taxpayer route, spending all of your exceptions now. What's changed over the past 36 hours is just how quickly the marketplace seems to have run out of money. Now, there are a couple of teams, the Clippers and the Lakers, that do have cap space, as we mentioned a few moments ago, talking about the Kawhi aspect of this, but that's going to go relatively quickly on a small handful of players. By and large, NBA teams spent their money very quickly this summer, and it's also a free agency market where there's just such a high supply of players that some are inevitably going to fall through the cracks. And since then, you've had guys like Jeff Green in Utah, Willie Cauley-Stein in Golden State, Wes Matthews with the Milwaukee Bucks, even Kavon Looney. I speculated on Monday's show that the Warriors hard-capping themselves with the D'Angelo Russell sign-and-trade for Kevin Durant would price them out on Looney and bringing him back. Not only did Looney return to Golden State, he took below the MLE. This is a guy that was top 10 in the league in real plus-minus a year ago at the center position. That's a stunningly low value, yet it speaks to what's out there, or more precisely not out there, on the market this summer. So if you can get the same caliber of player at $2 million, then at 5 basically you can use the minimum and still get a difference maker at close to the same significance, maybe even exactly the same as if you spent the $5 million MLE, then why would you spend the MLE just to say that you spent it and then hard cap yourself? If you can get a difference maker at the minimum, then all of a sudden, the other side, the upside of using Iman Shumpert as a trading tool, either now or down the line, becomes a lot more viable. An example that I would point to JaVale McGee is someone the Rockets met with on night one of free agency, and with Nene apparently retiring, the Rockets could use a backup center behind Clint Capella. Well, if the marketplace has McGee available to sign at the minimum, why would you just give him $5 million, the MLE, just to prove that you spent it? There's no reason to hard cap yourself unless there's a tangible benefit. So that's why seeing these types of bargain deals that are out there and the lack of funds has me wondering now if maybe there's more upside to the Shumpert path, to not giving yourself a hard cap and giving yourself flexibility down the line. The other reason I think that path is suddenly more realistic is because I don't know that there's an above minimum market for Iman Shumpert. If you can't guarantee Shumpert a role in Houston, or especially if you're trying to sign and trade him now, if he were able to go out and get, say, seven, eight million dollars a year on the market, then whatever Houston would give him a bloated figure for one deal, making him a very probable trade candidate or buyout down the line, he might just say, hey, I don't want to deal with that. I'll go to the team that's paying me seven, eight million dollars a year right now and wants me. Well, now if Shumpert's only able to get the minimum, then all of a sudden, if the Rockets can say, hey, we'll get you $12 million dollars, then that difference is pretty staggering. That's enough to get him to listen to a lot of scenarios. Because Shumpert's a free agent, it's not like you can do it without his consent. But now that the market is bottoming out, 
if Shumpert can get $12 million next year instead of two, that probably makes him and his agent a lot more likely to work with the Rockets on some of these scenarios. And it's not that the Rockets have to trade Shumpert now. They could re-sign him and just deal him during the season as basically an expiring $12 million salary or maybe a little bit more than that. Depends on exactly the figure the Rockets want him to be at for trade purposes. That's possible. And he did have some value in the playoffs. Let's not act like he's a bad basketball player. But what I'm looking more at now is the sign and trade possibility. I mentioned the other day the Andre Iguodala possibility. Now that he's in Memphis, which a bad team doesn't really have any use for him, why would the Grizzlies not consider Shumpert and draft compensation for Andre Iguodala? It's not as if they're trying to win. By taking on Shumpert's one-year deal, now a sign-and-trade would have to be a three-year contract, but you can just make the last two years of it non-guaranteed, so effectively it's a one-year deal. If you're the Grizzlies and you're not really trying to win anyway, it's basically like buying draft compensation. I think the Rockets could start by offering Shumpert and, say, a second-round pick or two, or a prospect like Isaiah Hartenstein. Now the Grizzlies might hold out until they get a future first and We'll see if the Rockets are willing to do that. In Iguodala's case, I think it's worthwhile. He is such a perfect fit, in my opinion, for this particular Rockets team. But it doesn't have to be Iguodala. There's other names all around the league. The reason I would pursue that path now is that really you get the best of both worlds. Not only can you get an upgrade to your basketball team if, say, you bring in Iguodala in a Shumpert sign and trade, but then you also would have Igudala's salary during the season to use as potential filler should you need it. So that's why I would look to do a deal now. Really the case to keep Shumpert, basically sign him and then look at what possibilities are out there during the season is that you don't otherwise have salary filler. Well, if you trade him now, then not only do you get an upgrade conceivably, I would hope it's an upgrade if you're given draft compensation to make it happen. And then you would also still have whoever you pick up, in this case, the hypothetical Igudala, that you could use during the season as an expiring piece to make the math work if something bigger comes along at a later date. To me, there's more upside to that path than the non-taxpayer MLE, because really, as I look at the market, it doesn't seem like that $5 million a year is going to get you all that different of a class of player than $2 million a year. So why not look at the Shumpert possibility, which in my opinion has more upside and it's also more realistic because, boy, could Shumpert get a big payday that he wouldn't otherwise. That's why, to me, this has so much upside. Now, it's not without any downside. It should be noted, to get someone to take on Iman Shumpert at a bloated figure, you'd have to give them draft compensation. And I know the Rockets are an aging team and many fans are wary of doing that. I understand. However, with James Harden turning 30, with Chris Paul on the contract that he's on, it's pretty clear that for this iteration of the Rockets, while they're not going to give them away just to give them away, first-round draft picks, which are going to be in the 20s every year unless there's just catastrophic injuries, are means to an end. That's why they were willing to trade four in that Jimmy Butler hypothetical last fall. I don't think that the Rockets will give them away just to toss them. It has to be worthwhile. But as far as Daryl Morey and how he's looking at it, they are trade ships. They're the best internal piece he has to get upgrades. And 
if what you can get on the free agency market is not that different spending your MLE versus spending your minimums, then all of a sudden, be it now or later, using Iman Shumpert and either bringing him back in the fold or signing and trading him now appears to have more upside, at least as I'm looking at the market right now. Now, it doesn't guarantee that they're going to go that route. There are a small handful, Marcus Morris, Danny Green, Jermichael Green, maybe Boogie Cousins, but I kind of doubt it, and I really don't know if he'd want to come to Houston anyway, given the role. Maybe one of those guys, keep in mind with Cousins, 16-8 and eight last year, even year one off of the torn Achilles, year two is when you typically have a big jump. He's not even 30. Maybe if you get one of those guys, it's worth saying, hey, buy Iman and we'll use all of our exceptions now. But unless you can get one of those true top-tier players, that's why I think the Shumpert path has a lot more upside. And you're really only able to do one. To be clear, we stated this on Monday's show, but I want to restate again in closing. If you trade Iman Shumpert, or if you resign him to trade later, that salary figure, whatever it may be, would make it to where the Rockets would bust through the hard cap if they were to then use the non-taxpayer MLE, which if you use the non-taxpayer MLE, you have a hard cap. So it's an either-or. You go the exception path, or you go the Amon Shumpert path. In my opinion, looking at the deals around the market and how quickly the money has dried up, I'm just not seeing that much upside to the exception path. It surprises me a little bit, but you have to be willing to adjust on the fly to the market. And in my estimation, that's the best way to play it as the Rockets look at free agency today, that being Wednesday, July 3rd. Now, we'll talk more about what's going on with the Rockets. One thing that's potentially linked to their team next season is the Summer League. That starts this weekend for Houston out in Las Vegas. Some of those players could conceivably be on the roster next season, and the MLA could be a tool, should they not use it on veterans, to bring more younger guys into the fold. We'll talk about that in just a few moments in the second segment of Wednesday's show. But for now, I want to tell you guys a little bit about our sponsors. First, there's our friends over at Gallery Furniture, where they've kicked off the summer with red-hot savings on select items during their red-hot summer sale. Stop by any convenient Houston-area Gallery Furniture location at 6006 North Freeway, 7227 West Grand Parkway South, or 2411 Post Oak Boulevard to take advantage of 40-60% to 60 savings on Houston's best selection of solid wood made-in-America furniture, name-brand mattresses, 100% real top-grained leather and upholstered living room styles, one-of-a-kind market samples, and more. Plus, you'll find Gallery Furniture's lowest prices ever on quality pieces for every room in your home, including sofas starting at $399, dining sets as low as $599, Sealy queen-size mattresses starting at $599, and more. Don't miss your chance to enjoy these incredible summer savings at Gallery Furniture. And as always, when you shop Gallery Furniture today, you can have your quality purchases delivered straight to your Houston-area home within hours when you choose same-day delivery. You can also visit them at galleryfurniture.com. I also want to tell you about our friends over at Twillery, because with Twillery, Smart Casual just got smarter and cheaper. Twillery is built on a century-old family manufacturing business. They make millions of shirts a year for leading brands, and they leverage those contacts and their team's technical know-how to keep costs down while maintaining high standards in quality and craftsmanship. Their view is that shirts shouldn't wrinkle, itch, or sweat. Because it's 2019, these guys know that shirts are a commodity, and they make stocking up your closet as simple as restocking beer in your fridge. Easy, affordable, and the perfect fit guaranteed. They offer non-iron, untuckable, and performance dress shirts, and with free shipping and returns, you can try on some Twills risk-free. 
After all, feeling is believing. Toilory brings performance work shirts to the next level with four-way stretch material that shuts down wrinkles, stops sweat, and keeps you looking and feeling cool. Best of all, it's the top value in smart workwear. With the Shop and Bundle model, you all have access to shirts that competitors are selling for $100 and up for as low as $55 per shirt. Grab yourself some today at twillery.com slash locked on and use the promo code locked on for $25 off. They've even got a limited time special where you can enjoy a free set of bottle opener collar stays with your purchase. That's all from our friends over at Twillery, who you can visit at twillery.com slash locked on. That's T-W-I-L-L-O-R-Y. And don't forget to use that promo code locked on for an extra $25 off on anything in their complete line of apparel. All right, jumping back into the program this is Locked on Rockets. I'm your host, Ben DuBose. As we chat this Wednesday, July 3rd, we're looking at the current state of the NBA free agent marketplace. Rockets, of course, the first couple of days, they brought back Austin Rivers, Daniel House Jr., Gerald Green. They swung and missed on Jimmy Butler. And now we're looking externally as far as the upgrades the Rockets bring in. They said going into the offseason that they wanted to bring back Austin Rivers and Daniel House, although many of us, myself included, were skeptical based on their limited financial resources, not having bird rights on either of those guys. Well, they found a way to make it happen. At this time, though, we're still waiting on the upgrades elsewhere. And while going into free agency, I suspected they'd have to use their mid-level exception to bring in the type of difference maker that would join the Houston rotation. Right now, I think it's the five starters from last year plus Rivers and House. Certainly, you'd like to have more depth up front at the forward spot and at the five behind Clint Capella. I suspected the Rockets would have to dip into the MLE to land a player that would definitely be a top eight, top nine rotation player on a contending team. Given how quickly the money has gone out, that may not be the case. And it could be that the Rockets have more upside in bringing in a substantial player by signing and trading Iman Shumpert or just re-signing Shumpert now and trading him during the season, depending on what the options are now versus what the options are later. Of course, we also can't forget that even if you do trade Shumpert now, like say in an Andre Iguodala trade, it's not that you're giving up your ability to make a later trade should one come available, because then you could use Iguodala as your salary filler instead of Shumpert. So that's why I'm thinking there are a lot of forces pushing you to explore Iman Shumpert sign-in trades right now. And I think the odds are pretty good that the Rockets can bring in a significant difference maker that way. The one downside to this path, even though I think it has more upside than going through free agency, spending your full non-taxpayer MLE and biannual exception and giving yourself a hard cap in the process, the one downside to the Shumpert path, no one's going to take on an overpaid Iman Shumpert at $12 million a year. That's why he would cooperate in this type of arrangement. No one's going to take him on out of the goodness of their heart at a bloated figure. You would have to give them draft compensation. And basically the team, likely a rebuilding one like Memphis, would be paying for draft picks and or prospects. They'd be buying them in the form of taking Shumpert on a one-year deal and probably buying him out closer to the deadline if they don't retrade him themselves. So that's the one downside to this. However, the reason I'm becoming more open to this strategy beyond just the fact that the free agent marketplace seems to be drying up and there aren't really that many candidates that would require, say, the $5 million non-taxpayer MLE for the Rockets and not be available at the minimum level. Besides just the dynamics like that, the Rockets also have shown the last couple of years a bit of a unique way to work around the limitations of not having draft picks. 
I understand that that's a significant drawback. The Rockets' last first-round pick that really made a difference for them was Clint Capella, and that's five years ago. So the Rockets can't hand these out like candy. This is an aging team with James Harden, Eric Gordon, Chris Paul, P.J. Tucker. Four of your five starters are going to be 30 or older next season. So you do want to get younger, but the conundrum is that because you're an aging team, really in terms of assets that teams trading good players would want, it's not going to do them any purpose to trade them, say, a 34-year-old Gerald Green on your bench. They're going to want younger assets, and from the Rockets' standpoint, those are future draft picks. That's why they've been trading so many of them these last few years, is because given their situation, they're all about winning now, and they don't really have expendable pieces on their team or prospects they've developed internally. Well, the best trade ships they have are those future picks, and basically, as far as Joe Mori is concerned, those are a means to an end, how you can maximize this current window with James Harden and Chris Paul. Well, one creative way around not having first-round picks, because you have to use them, I know the Rockets feel like, to get these bigger deals done. For example, they gave up one in the Chris Paul trade two years ago, which was obviously, in my opinion, a pretty good one for this franchise. What you're seeing the Rockets do is use their mid-level exception to give three-year deals to second-rounders and undrafted free agents. It's their workaround of the system. They did it last year with Isaiah Hartenstein and Gary Clark. It remains to be seen exactly how good those guys are, but they certainly showed flashes their first real year of playing at the NBA level. We learned Tuesday that they're doing the same thing with Shamori Pons, an undrafted rookie guard out of St. John's who many people saw as being a top 40, even a top 30 talent. By using the MLE that way to give them three-year deals, there's a couple of big advantages. First, when the deal is up, you have full bird rights on those players. It's not like you give them a one-year deal and then you're really limited in terms of how you can retain them. Secondly, that's three years of guaranteed cheap labor, and yet the player is fairly likely to accept it because even if it's a minimum rate, because it's three years at the end of the day, that's a lot of money. That's the kind of stuff that even though it's small by NBA standards, it can set you up for life. And if you're a second-round pick or you're undrafted, that's a pretty damn decent outcome relative to how things probably look for you on draft night. So that's how, even if the Rockets are having to trade their picks to, say, facilitate an Iman Shumpert sign-and-trade or a later Iman Shumpert trade, maybe they have to give up their 2021st. By using your MLE in this way, you do still have a pipeline of young talent. That's what we've seen the Rockets do these past couple of years. Now, it remains to be seen exactly how good these players are. There's a reason that some of these guys, Hartenstein, Clark, Pons were not drafted, so certainly the Rockets are having to trust their scouts and hope that they can beat the system, so to speak. But that happens a lot. You do see good players fall to the second round or undrafted. This is not really all that uncommon. So the Rockets, it's not that they're devoid of young players, even though they don't have these picks or haven't had these picks. And if they trade another one in, say, the Iman Shumpert sign and trade path, I know there's going to be some frustration. But keep in mind, they do still have prospects that not only do they have in their system, but they're keeping them for three years of relatively cheap labor, developing them with their coaches, their guidelines, their strategy to optimize them for the Houston system. That's important. And that's why the Rockets bristle at the notion that they didn't use the MLE last year. That's the narrative that's out there. And of course, it ties into, is Tillman Fertitta too cheap? Those types of things. Daryl Morey will point out, they did use portions of their MLE to give longer-term deals to Isaiah Hartenstein, 
to Gary Clark. According to some reports, they may have been willing to do the same for Daniel House Jr. That's important. That gives you a pipeline of internal talent. And Shamori Pons is someone, I watched him at St. John's. This is a guy that I liked a lot. If you had told me going into draft night that he would go undrafted, I would have been floored. He is really crafty, a good scorer. You put him in a Mike D'Antoni system and a guard like that who can score in so many different ways and run the offense. I'm excited about him. And the MLE gives you an ability to not only have him for now, but to keep him in your system for three years, grow. And if you need an internal replacement, let's say you have to trade Eric Gordon or something happens and you can't keep him once he gets to free agency next summer, then maybe Pons is ready to step up. That's why even if you don't use your MLE on a veteran, it's important to keep in mind that the Rockets are still using it. They are slowly rebuilding that pipeline. And so that's why even though the Rockets don't have a first-run pick or haven't the last couple of years, and we'll see what happens in this Shumpert hypothetical, they probably wouldn't in 2020. Now, you can try to trade second-run picks or prospects. My guess is that they'll probably hold out for a first. A lot of teams would. But it's not that the Rockets are completely devoid of prospects. And another benefit to it the summer league games start this weekend. There are other guys on that roster who might flash. Chris Clemens out of Campbell, five foot nine. He's a walking bucket. I know he's undersized, but shoot, we've seen really small guys succeed at the NBA level before, especially if they can score. Jonathan Williams is a big the Rockets have on their summer league roster who was pretty good at the NBA level last year. He was on a two-way with the Lakers and averaged about seven points, four rebounds a game in just 15 minutes. He had an 18-10 and 10 game down the stretch of the season against the Celtics, a pretty big and physical team. That's someone to watch for. And because you have your MLE, if you're using chunks of it, or at least willing to, on these younger players, then that's something to watch for. Because if you don't have a means to retain these guys, then even though, of course, we'll still watch because it's basketball and it's the Rockets, there's always this question of, okay, well, how would you bring these guys onto the roster? How would you keep these guys? Well, if you're using the MLE the same way they just did for Shamori Pons, the same way they did last year for Isaiah Hartenstein and Gary Clark, then sure, there's ways that if someone flashes in Summer League that you can not only put them on the roster, but they can be a part of your pipeline of young talent moving forward. Now, granted, all of these guys, because they're late round or undrafted players, they probably have ceilings in terms of their talent. Well, guess what? The picks that you're trading in the 20s, they probably have ceilings as well. It's not like the Rockets are trading picks that would otherwise be like lottery, top five, top 10, unless James Harden and Chris Paul both have catastrophic injuries. That's not going to happen. You do want to have at least some prospects that are able to efficiently, cheaply fill roles as you need it, especially if there are injuries or maybe in a future season, you want to hard cap yourself because there's a really great sign and trade possibility. Let's say somebody next summer is willing to do what Jimmy Butler would not this summer. Okay, well, then if you do that, then you're going to need cheap contributors at the minimum. That's kind of how the Lakers are pulling off what they're pulling off right now. Having Kyle Kuzma at under $2 million a season, a contributor at that level, is what allows them to go so all in for Anthony Davis, for potentially Kawhi Leonard. If you can hit on some of these younger players, even if they're not stars, just giving you something from the standpoint of a pipeline of young talent, then it does give you more avenues elsewhere to trade future first-run picks because you wouldn't be completely barren in your system to hard cap yourself because you have guys that can potentially play rotation roles that aren't making money. It's not as if the Rockets, even if they go down the path of the taxpayer route and working on Shumpert trades, avoiding the hard cap for maybe 
deals during the season. It's not as if, even if the Rockets don't use their MLE now, that they're just punning and saying, well, we're not trying to upgrade the team. No, even last year, when there was so much consternation about that decision, the Hartenstein and Clark moves, they flew underneath the radar, but getting them on three-year deals is important. I think getting Shamori Pons on a three-year deal right now is important, and maybe the Rockets can do it with someone else if, say, a Jonathan Williams or a Chris Clemens flashes in Summer League. I'm not saying the Rockets are 100% going down that road, and who knows, the Rockets could end up using the rest of their MLE on, say, a Marcus Morris or Jermichael Green if they get lucky and someone falls through the cracks after Kawhi's decision. Stay tuned. But even if the Rockets don't go the sexy route, if they use the MLE largely for young players to bring in within their system, there is still significant upside from that path because it gives you, well, first and foremost, you can either re-sign or trade Iman Shumpert since you're not worried about the hard cap. And then secondly, you're more able to deal your future picks because it's not like you're just barren and devoid of talent by doing that. If you're able to bring in guys like Hartenstein, like Clark, like Pons, and sign them for multiple years cheaply in your system, it gives you a bit more flexibility to where, hey, if a Shumpert deal costs you a first-round pick to get the type of player you want, then while it's not easy to do, it's much more reasonable to tolerate that loss if you at least have some potential rotation players young in your pipeline. Anyway, I think that's where we'll wrap it on this Wednesday, July 3rd here at Locked on Rockets. As always, I thank you guys so much for listening. And if you want more content before our next episode, there are, of course, many ways that you can get that. First and foremost is Twitter, where I'm on there at Ben Dubose, and the show is on there at Locked on Rockets. Beyond that, we've got a website, LockedOnRockets.com, Facebook account at Facebook.com slash LockedOnRockets, email address, LockedOnRockets at gmail.com. All of those are ways you can access prior episodes, or you can ask me questions about the team, make suggestions for the show, those types of things. And before we go, I do want to once again thank and acknowledge our great sponsors, and keep in mind that if you support these guys, you're also helping us grow here at Lockdown Rockets as the most regular podcast covering Houston Rockets basketball. One of those sponsors, of course, is Gallery Furniture, where the Red Hot Summer Sale is now in full swing. Visit any Houston area Gallery Furniture location or go to galleryfurniture.com to take advantage of all the specials. You can also support our friends over at Twillery, where if you go to twillery.com slash locked on, you can use the promo code locked on for $25 off on their complete line of apparel. And in addition to supporting our sponsors, please remember that to get this show every day, you can and should subscribe to Locked on Rockets on Himalaya's new podcast app. In this ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlist and new features each and every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked on Rockets. Of course, you can also listen and subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and a whole lot more. And I encourage you to do so and to leave five-star reviews wherever you can. And when you get in your car or you go to the gym, you can even tell your smart device to play Podcast Locked on Rockets and get our most recent episodes that way as well. Once again, I'm Ben Dubose. Thanks to all of you for listening. Have a happy July 4th holiday if you're in the United States. And please come back soon for more episodes right here at Locked on Rockets, your podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.